You know, when you live with someone, you learn that there are certain things you just can't say. There are certain phrases or words that if you say them, you know you're going to get a reaction. And my mom had a handful of those phrases. One of those phrases, um, you couldn't tell her you were bored. If you told my mom you were bored, oh, that set her off. There are so many wonderful things in this world to do, she would say. So many things that need to be done. And she would start giving you list after list of list of things that needed to be done. It may be anything from washing the laundry to painting the baseboards. There was always something that needed to be done. And if you were bored, well, then that was her cue to give you something to do. The other phrase, oh, don't ever say this one. Don't ever try to get your way, get to do something by telling her that everybody is doing it. Come on, mom, let me go. Everybody is doing it. Oh, that would set her off and you would have this 30-minute sermon about everybody doing it. Well, if everybody was jumping off a cliff, she would say, would you do that? It doesn't matter if everybody is doing it. I'm not raising everybody. I'm raising you. If I was everybody's mother, everybody wouldn't be doing it either. And so it would go. We are reading a very intimate letter between the Apostle Paul and Timothy. Paul is the spiritual father, Timothy the spiritual son. And there are some times, well, you pick up this dynamic. Paul has just given us a long list of all the things that are going to go wrong in the world, of how people will be lovers of self, and on and on the list goes. And then he tells Timothy, but you're not going to be that way. I didn't raise you that way. <laughs> this is what he says at the end of chapter 3. Stand with us now in honor of God's word. I, I know it's a little uncomfortable when you're standing at home. But it's still the same reality. This is still God's word, and it's still worthy of that kind of honor. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, and purpose, faith, patience, and love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. When the persecutions that I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know who taught you, and you know from infancy that you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man of God, the person of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. So that the person of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it. Believe it and live. Pray with me. From Paul's pen to Timothy's heart, this letter was written. Timothy held on to it and passed it down 
to his children in the faith, they held on to it and passed it down until long last it was passed to us. And it seems that he wrote it yesterday. The times he, are, he is describing, the pressure that he is talking about, we know this and we know it firsthand. So we pray, like Timothy, that we'll be able to stand firm, confident of the gospel that was preached by Paul and by Timothy and now by us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Now, at the beginning of chapter 3, Paul gives us a long list of how people will rebel against the Word of God and against the authority of God. Hard times are going to come, he says. People will become lovers of self, lovers of money. They will, have, uh, they will talk about spiritual things but won't have the power of God's Spirit in their life. On and on the list goes. You can almost hear Paul building one on the other as he gets excited naming all the things that he's seeing in his culture. Yeah, it was his culture, not our culture. But when you read it, you will begin to understand that, you know, there are some things that just don't change. And people, people are seemingly one of those things that if they change, they, they don't change much. And if they change, they rarely change So when Paul describes his time, he describes every time. When Paul describes his time, he describes our time. We recognize what he is talking about. Then he says to Timothy, this is the way that the world is going to act. This is the way the world is going to react. But I've told you before how that word works. Anytime we use the word but in a conversation, it erases everything in front of it. Did you know that? Sure you did. You've gotten the letter like I have. I've really enjoyed dating you for these last three months, but do you go tell your friends, well, she and I had a really good time for three months? No, that's not what you say. You say, I was dumped. We've enjoyed having you in our company for these past eight years, but... You don't go say, I had a good run. You say, I was furloughed. I was let go. (laughs) But Paul, like my mom, tells Timothy, I don't care how everybody else is acting. I don't care what everybody else is deciding. I didn't raise you that way. You know better. And what was it that Timothy knew? How is it that Timothy knew better? There are a couple of sources that Paul gives to Timothy. One, Paul says to Timothy, you have seen the way that I lived my life. You've seen the ministry I've had. You've seen the places I've been. You have been with me when the world turned against me. Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. In these places we're told about in the book of Acts, Paul would go, he would preach, people would follow him, they would find him, and they would say, this is the man who is turning the world upside down. There would be a riot. Maybe Paul would be put in prison, but Paul would sometimes barely escape with his life. You were there when this happened to me, Paul said. You saw how I acted. My ministry has been validated in front of you 
through the preaching of the word, through the miracles of God's power. You have seen me. You know the difference that the gospel makes. One of the struggles that our world has is they keep looking for someone who will show them what a Jesus life looks like. I tell you this all the time. The world is not angry at us because we're different. The world is angry at us because we're not different enough. When they want to see if the gospel message of Jesus Christ is true, most of the time an unbeliever, someone who doesn't know Jesus, won't go search scripture. They'll look at you. They'll look at me. They will say, Mike says he's a Christ follower. Mike says he's a Christian. I'm going to watch his life. How does he handle it when things don't go right? How does he uh, prioritize his marriage? How is he as a father? How is he as a friend? Does he show some kind of qualitative difference in the way he lives and the way everybody else lives? Is there any evidence in Mike's life in your life that gives evidence to the truth of Jesus Christ. Paul was willing to tell Timothy, look at my life. If you look at my life, you're gonna know the gospel is true. Look at the life of your mother and your grandmother. Early in the letters to Timothy, Paul says, I remember when you became a Christian and I remember your mother and grandmother and the great inspiration they were to you and the influence they had in your life. I remember the way they poured themselves into you. Now you were there, Timothy. You know the quality of people that they were. You know how much they loved you and how much they loved Jesus and you know the difference. One of the things that gives us confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ is a true life lived. When we see someone who was living faithfully the teachings of Jesus, it inspires us all and gives all of us confidence. The writer of Hebrews says that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, men and women who have gone on before us, who know what it is like to have the tough times when you follow Christ. And yet they remain strong and now their witness cheers for you. So when you go through a hard time, and Paul says, if you are faithful to Jesus Christ, you can write this down. You will be persecuted. Now, you may not be thrown in a Roman jail. You may not be beaten with a Roman whip. But our world has ways of making you pay. There are men and women, faithful Christians, who have lost teaching positions and academic institutions because, well, because they proclaim to be followers of Jesus Christ. There are people in the public square who are routinely demeaned, who are routinely attacked. What reason? They are a follower of Jesus Christ. Not the quality of their work, uh, not the wisdom of their ideas, but because they're a follower of Jesus Christ. Mark it down. 
If the enemy knows you belong to Jesus, the enemy will come against you. See, a long time ago, the enemy gave up trying to take down Jesus. That was the final assault in the cross. We will kill Jesus, and when we do that, then we will be finished with him. The resurrection told Satan and all who follow him, Jesus isn't finished yet. And now Satan knows he can't defeat Jesus, so he goes after those Jesus loves, you, me. Well, you say, Mike, <laughs> I'm, I don't know that I'm being persecuted. Well, maybe Satan doesn't recognize you as being part of Jesus' team. Maybe Satan himself can't tell what team you're on. Mark it down, Paul says, every follower of Christ will be persecuted. And when that time happens, what do you stand on? Paul said, you'll stand on the same thing that I stood on, the same thing that your mother and your grandmother stood on. You will stand on the word of God and only the word of God. You've heard me say this all the time. I hope you read lots of books. I hope you are a lifelong learner. If you come to my study, if you come to my house, you're gonna see books and books and books and books. I love to read. I read all the time, but hear me. No time, no how, no way, no place. Does any book replace the role of Scripture in a believer's life? If you don't have time to read but one book a day, you read this one. It is here where God has breathed. Now, what picture does that bring to your mind? Creation. He created Adam. And he breathed into Adam, and he, Adam, became a living soul. In the same way, God breathes into these words. These words become living words. So much that when you open this book and you read, God breathes into you, into your soul, through these words. It's CPR for your soul. Oh, this is the book that is God breathed. This is the book that is useful for teaching, rebuking. Now, if you've grown up in a Baptist church like I did, you love it when people talk about rebuking because it meant we could grab this Bible and, and, and find somebody and knock them upside the head. That's not what it means. It means loving so much, someone so much, you're willing to take the risk of your friendship and go to them and say, I think you're messing up. And on the authority of God's word, teach them to a better way. Help them find their best self in Jesus Christ. Not out of anger, not out of judgment, but out of a broken heart that loves them so much that you're not willing to see them endure the consequences of their wrong decision and you want to intervene if you can. This is what you stand on. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells a very familiar story. There are two men who build houses. There's nothing different in the 
material they use. There's nothing different in the design of the house or the craftsmanship of the house. There's one difference, Jesus says. One built his house on sand. One built his house on the rock. Storms come as storms do. It rains. The wind blows. The house on sand falls. The house on the rock doesn't. The only difference between these two houses is where they decided to build the foundation. Now, if you have ever built a house or ever seen a house built, you know that the foundation is the first decision you make. How will you lay in the foundation so that the foundation and the ground it is in can support the houses built on it? You don't make that decision in the middle of a storm. You don't make that decision in the middle of hard times. You make that decision first. Remember Paul said, everyone who follows Christ will be persecuted. Your storm, my storm is coming. You can count on that. And when it comes, whether or not you survive that storm, well, you're making that decision right now. And you're making that decision on what foundation you will build your house on. Everything else goes away, we're told. The only thing that lasts is God's word. You're not to live this way, Paul tells Timothy. We're not to live that way, Paul tells you and me. Why? Because you're building your life on a foundation. The word of God that will not fail. Let's pray together. As we build this foundation, as we choose where we will build our life, help us now, Lord, build our foundation on your gospel and your truth so when the storms come, and they will, we'll not only survive, but we'll thrive to your glory. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I know it sounds like an easy question, a simple question, but you know, there's no question more important. On what foundation, on what truth are you building your life? And you're making that decision right now. Not in the middle of a storm. When the storm hits, you don't have time to go out and put your foundation in. You've already done it. And if your foundation is on anything other than God's word, you won't survive the storm. This is the time to make that decision. If you want to know more about how you make that decision, will you text CONNECT to 623-623? We'll be in touch with you as soon as we can. If you'd like to know more about how to get in a group or know more about how to become part of Brentwood Baptist Church, we'd love to hear from you. Just text GROUPS CONNECT to 623-623, and we'll be in touch with you as soon as we can. Paul said, you're not going to live that way, Timothy. Why? because you're building your life on the foundation that won't fail. Thanks for being with us. God bless, and we'll see you next time.